Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into K'iche' Mayans. Our myths may not be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. The jungle mountainside sparkled like a living rainbow, but the light did not come from the sun. Not a beam of morning sunlight broke through the dense canopy. The illumination came from a shining metal house near the top of the mountain. Its smooth walls were iridescent silver. Its radiance seemed out of place next to the natural beauty of the surrounding rainforest. Hunapu couldn't appreciate either at the moment. He followed closely behind his twin sister, Shibalanke, as she crept along the forest floor. He didn't bother looking at the ground. His eyes were pointed up at their target, the tiny yellow cherry-sized fruits that hung from the Nansi tree. We need to hurry. He'll be up for his breakfast any minute. Don't worry so much, Hunapu. We'll be in and out before you know it. But we're not even supposed to be out this way. You know how Grandma feels about us nosing around his land. Then we won't tell Grandma. Shibalanke scurried up the Nansi tree. Hunapu looked around. The coast was clear. He gripped his blowpipe in his teeth and followed behind. Hunapu was nervous. His grandparents had always told him that stealing was wrong, but stealing from a demon just felt foolish. The house belonged to Seven Macaw, and its garish exterior fit his pride. All the heavens hated him. When he wasn't tormenting humans, he was screaming about his supposed greatness for all to hear. Not that he had done anything truly great. Not like Hunapu's father, who had sacrificed himself for the world. Yet Seven Macaw carried himself like the god of gods. His body was covered in metallic silver feathers. His teeth were glittering shards of sapphire, emerald, and topaz. And his eyes were made from bright, sparkling rubies. As far as Seven Macaw was concerned, there was no need for the sun or the moon. The boastful god thought he shined enough for all the world. Shibalanke insisted that stealing from a troublemaker like Seven Macaw was fine, but Hunapu wasn't so sure. He knew Seven Macaw hated his family, particularly his grandparents who created the world, but that didn't seem like enough justification to steal. Seven Macaw's call cut through the trees. Hunapu peeked through the branches. They were right in front of Seven Macaw's bedroom window. Hunapu grabbed his sister's arm. Neither one moved an inch. They were hidden by the leaves, but he knew if Seven Macaw looked closely enough, no overgrowth could hide them. Sure enough, they saw the demon move past the window, metal feathers clanging as he went. He was pacing the room, ranting loudly to a human servant. Look at this mess Spearcock and Shmukane created. They should have never been a part of creating this world. Humans are an abomination. Just look at yourself. You would have died years ago if you weren't subjugated. I saved you. 
Your kind needs a true god. A beautiful, bejeweled god. My children will bury the old useless gods beneath a mountain, and then I will rule over this wretched world. <gasps> Did you hear that? He's going to kill our grandparents! Seven Macaw froze. He'd heard them. Hunapu grabbed his sister's arm. Come on, we've got to go. Shibalanke's foot slipped and the branch beneath her feet snapped in two. She clung to the side of the tree with both hands, but the noise had caught Seven Macaw's attention. He raced to the window, bejeweled eyes glaring out into the shadows of the tree. A chill ran down Hunapu's spine. He took no pleasure in being right. They definitely shouldn't have climbed the Nancy tree today. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we're beginning the story of the Hero Twins, a pair of young deities from Quiche Mayan mythology. The siblings took it upon themselves to defend the honor of the gods and fight the evil Seven Macaw. A warning, today's myth contains dramatizations and discussions of violence, torture, slavery, and murder. Please exercise caution for all listeners under 13. Coming up, Hunapu and Shibalanke hatch a plan to save the world. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon.
The story of the hero twins Hunapu and Shibalanke comes from the Popol Vuh, a collection of K'iche Mayan myths likely written in the mid-16th century CE. At the time, Spanish conquistadors were making their way through Central America. They viewed the indigenous people's religion as blasphemous and attempted to destroy every trace of Mayan mythology. As the Catholic conquistadors desecrated monuments and burned books, it's possible that an unknown K'iche Maya hid in the highlands of what is known today as Guatemala. This anonymous writer recorded the oral stories and hieroglyphs of the K'iche. A combination of both myths and historical fact, the text eventually became known as the Popol Vuh. While the author of the original book is unknown, the oldest copy on record is from a transcription and translation made in the early 18th century by Dominican friar Francisco Jimenez. The Popol Vuh likely wasn't the first of its kind. It references other editions of the book and oral versions of the story date back to the second century CE. The Popol Vuh was written as a long poem, which was later broken up into four segments. The protagonists of the first half are Hunapu and Shibalanke, deities who are the grandchildren of the original Mayan creators. They eventually become known as the Hero Twins, but their journey begins almost by accident. What started as nothing more than childish adventure led to a dire discovery. The arrogant Seven Macaw was plotting to overthrow the gods. Hunapu grabbed his sister's arm as Seven Macaw glared out into the darkness, his shining ruby eyes searching for the source of the noise. Hunapu didn't waste any time. He yanked his sister toward him and jumped. Hunapu and Shibalanke hit the ground with a thud and sprinted down the mountainside to the road. Shibalanke tried to turn and look behind them, but Hunapu pulled her along. They had to get to safety. I want to get a clear look at him. He was never going to see us. We can't risk it. He's already planning to kill our grandparents. What do you think he'll do to us? Hunapu dragged his sister through the vines and trees of the rainforest, the cacophony of birds and beasts covering the sound of their retreat. Finally, the twins made it to the clay path. Seven Macaw's blindingly bright house was now a distant orb behind them, but they could still see two floating pinpoints of ruby red light beside it. Seven Macaw's bejeweled eyes still searching for the eavesdroppers in the Nancy tree. Come on, we've got to warn Grandma and Grandpa. If they aren't around to defend their creation, no one will be able to stop Seven Macaw from enslaving the world. The great Seven Macaw is too proud to get his hands dirty. He'll send Zipakna and Kabra Khan. Let's hurry. The sooner we get home, the sooner Grandma can work up some magic. Or we can handle it ourselves. Are you crazy? We can't fight Seven Macaw. Not with that attitude. Hunapu, this is our chance to prove to the heavens that we belong. We can be heroes. I've seen you break a boulder in two with the force of your blowgun. We can do this, if we plan it right. 
That's a pretty big if. Are we your father's children or not? He could do anything, and so can we. Well, what did you have in mind? As I see it, if we attack Seven Macaw, his children will find out about it and come after us. If we attack his children first, then Seven Macaw will come after us. So there is no good option. But there is, brother. We attack them at the same time. How? No one knows where Cabra Khan is. So we don't worry about Cabra Khan. We don't worry about the living earthquake? The giant that can destroy a mountain with his bare hands? If we don't know where he is, then that means he's not here. And that means he's not a threat, at least for the moment. But we do know where Zipakna is. Yes, he's always lounging by the river. I heard he's making enslaved children build him a temple. So, we get the children to lure Zipakna into the pit they're digging for the foundation. Then they roll the timber on top of him. You're right. He is stupid enough to fall for that. Of course he is. They lure Zipakna to his death, ensuring he won't show up while we set the trap for Seven Macaw. And kill Seven Macaw before he finds out. Exactly. We sneak back up into the Nancy tree and wait for Seven Macaw at the top. When he climbs up for his afternoon snack, you shoot him with your blow dart. It's a perfect plan. The timing has to be just right, but it could work. The twins grinned their matching smiles, almost humming with excitement. This wasn't an outlandish plan at all. Shibalanke had thought this out. They could become heroes just like their father. Without a word, the twins turned and ran through the jungle, down the mountain to the river that cut through the valley. Hunapu and Shibalanke made it to the river in no time. They hid beside the trail in a patch of pineapple plants. They were careful not to be spotted by the giant Zipakna lounging on the bank beside a cashew tree. Hundreds of enslaved children walked down the trail in front of them, heading toward a nearby pit. Shibalanke waved down one of the children. Psst! Boy! How would you like to be free of your master? More than anything. But there's nothing that can be done. He's a giant. I have a plan. See, he's as vain as he is strong. Tell him you can't carry one of the support beams, and you require his strength to complete the job. When he carries it down into the pit, roll the rest of the beams on top of him. You're right. The weight would crush him. I must tell the others. The youth hurried away. Hunapu and Shibalanke turned and ran back up the trail. Their plan was going to work. They made it back to Seven Macaw's shining silver house by mid-afternoon. Hunapu knew they'd have to hurry to get to the top of the tree before Seven Macaw came out for his daily snack. Quickly and quietly, the twins cut through the brush to the base of the Nansi tree. Shibalanke led the way to the top. Hunapu found a well-covered spot at the back of the tree, a branch wide enough for the two of them and hidden enough that Seven Macaw wouldn't see them until it was too late. 
The door to Seven Macaw's house clanged open, and a bright light shone all around. Seven Macaw gleamed, acting as his own son. His metallic feathers clattered as he marched over to the Nancy tree and started the climb. Once he made it to the top, he would scan the jungle below for something to eat. If he ever got there. As Seven Macaw inched closer, Hunapu pressed the blowgun to his lips and aimed. Shibalanke gestured for him to fire, but Hunapu shook his head. He would only get one shot at this. He waited, watching as Seven Macaw climbed toward him and his sister. Soon, the demon was so close that he could make out the facets on Seven Macaw's sapphire front tooth. Hunapu took a deep breath and fired. It was the perfect shot. The dart shot out of the blowgun and struck Seven Macaw's jaw with immense force. His head jerked backward. Jewels shot out of his mouth and into the air. Blood trickled out of his shattered jaw. But Seven Macaw didn't fall. Hunapu's heart raced. This wasn't how the plan was supposed to go. Coming up, the hero twins' perfect plan unravels. The worst serial killer. The creepiest cult. The most outrageous con. If you're a true crime fan, you've probably pondered these things. Well, now you can get answers, or at least some passionate opinions. Every week on our podcast, Crime Countdown, my co-host Ash and I rank 10 unsettling crimes centered around a common theme, debating each case with just a hint of humor to lighten the mood. Elena and I may not be experts, and we may not always agree, but we're counting down anyway. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Crime Countdown. Listen free on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. The blowgun fell from Hunapu's lips. Time seemed to slow down as the sparkling topaz and emerald teeth glittered in the light as they tumbled from Seven Macaw's mouth toward the ground below. Seven Macaw dangled from the tree with one hand on his jaw and one hand on the tree trunk. Shibalanke's plan to kill the demon hadn't worked. Seven Macaw listed backward, but didn't fall. He swung his arm up, flailing for anything that might steady his balance. His hand latched onto Hunapu's forearm. Ah! Hunapu screamed in fright. He yanked and pulled, but Seven Macaw would not let go. His ruby eyes stared into Hunapu's. Blood streamed out of his broken jaw. I kill you. Seven Macaw yanked Hunapu's arm. 
Punapu panicked. If Seven Macaw fell, he wasn't going alone. He was going to take Hunapu with him. Shibalanke wrapped her arms around Hunapu's waist. Don't worry, brother! I won't let go! Seven Macaw slipped down the trunk. He released the tree and grabbed hold of Hunapu's arm with both hands. He pressed his feet into the trunk for leverage. The pain of a thousand knives pierced Hunapu's shoulder. He could not hold on much longer. Shibalanke's hands dug into his belly, desperately pulling him back. Seven Macaw gritted his broken teeth and yanked one more time. Hunapu screamed in pain as his arm was torn from its socket. Blood spurted out of his shoulder. He stared in shock, unable to process what had just happened. Seven Macaw tumbled from the tree, Hunapu's severed arm still clutched in his metallic hands. Seven Macaw landed heavily on the forest floor, stunned but alive. We have to run. My arm! He's got my arm! Forget about it. He's down. Now's our chance. But it's my arm! We will be lucky if that's all he takes. Hunapu was feeling lightheaded. He stared down at the silver body of Seven Macaw, rolling back and forth in agony. He glanced toward Shibalanke. His eternally confident sister looked terrified. The plan had gone horribly awry. They needed to get back to their grandparents. Hunapu put his hand in his sister's and the two leapt from the tree. The twins landed in a heap. Shibalanke helped Hunapu to his feet. They had to run before Seven Macaw recovered enough to give chase. Hunapu gathered his strength. He threw his remaining arm around his sister and sprinted through the jungle. Hunapu limped out of the brush and onto the trail. Blood soaked the entire left side of his body. He prayed he would be able to make it back to their grandparents' house alive. Hold on, brother. Grandma will know what to do. Uh, uh, uh. I am so sorry. You will not have given your arm in vain. We will defeat Seven Macaw. Hunapu's vision was blurry, but finally he made out the stepped stone pyramid of his grandparents' home. He could barely hold himself upright. More than anything, his sister was pulling him along. He could hear his grandmother, Shmukane, screaming as they approached. My babies! What happened to Hunapu? Hunapu collapsed at the bottom of the steps, utterly spent. He stared up into the heavens. The last thing he saw was the panicked image of his grandmother leaning over him. Hunapu opened his eyes. He grasped at his shoulder. It wasn't bleeding anymore, but it still ached. His grandmother leaned over him, shaking her head. You're awake. How are you feeling? Disarmed. Glad to hear you haven't lost your sense of humor. The medicine will stop the pain. Your sister told us about her brilliant plan. It was a good plan. 
It could have worked. But it didn't. You should have come to us right away. Seven Macaw's family is dangerous, and war is not a trivial matter. That is business for the gods. Honestly, we should have dealt with him a long time ago. We thought we could stop him. I know. It was very brave of you two. Stupid, but brave. Your sister and I have been talking. Shibalanke has a plan to get your arm back and end all this. But this will be the only time we intervene on your behalf. If you two are old enough to fight Seven Macaw, you are old enough to fight alone. I understand. Now get up. This plan involves us all. Hunapu struggled to his feet. His grandfather and sister stood nearby, ready to go. Shibalanke threw a shawl over her shoulder and rubbed his stump. Just play along when we get there. My plan is perfect. You said your last plan was perfect. But this one actually is. I failed you once, brother. I won't fail you again. Shmukane grabbed her walking staff and waved it in the air. The family's clothes all changed in the blink of an eye. Shmukane and her husband suddenly looked like healers. Hunapu and Shibalanke were dressed like their helpers. Shmukane pointed her staff down the trail. It was time to go. Hunapu and Shibalanke fell in behind their grandparents as they marched down the road. Hunapu was counting the moments until he had his arm again. They heard Seven Macaw's wail even before his shining house came into view. Hunapu cracked a tiny smile. At least the deity was in more pain than he was. Shmukane led them up the steep hillside of the forest, right up to Seven Macaw's doorway. Hunapu noticed the path to the front door was far easier than creeping through the brush. Shmukane pounded on the metal door. Hunapu could hear Seven Macaw's heavy footsteps as he limped toward the door. His hand began to tremble. He hadn't considered the fact that his grandma's disguise might not work. He stepped behind her just in case. Hunapu held his breath as the door slid open. Coming up, Hunapu enters Seven Macaw's home and hopes he can get out. Now, back to the story. Hunapu almost gasped as the door opened. Seven Macaw's head was covered with a shawl. His swollen, silver jaw hung loose on one side. His chin was stained red with blood, and his jagged smile wasn't nearly as bright as it had once been. Don't look at me. I'm hideous. Greetings, glorious Seven Macaw. We heard your cries of pain from the road. Seven Macaw pulled back the shawl. He narrowed his ruby eyes and leaned out of the doorway, peering right at Hunapu. I know you. Hunapu's heart skipped a beat. 
Seven McCall leaned closer. Punapu suddenly realized his gaze wasn't on him, but Shmukane, his grandmother. You're a healer? I knew the gods would not ignore the great light of the world. Yes, my child. We heard your cries of anguish from the trail. I could not walk on in good conscience. What happened to you? Some demons assaulted me, ruining my glorious visage. It wasn't enough that they were stealing my fruit. One shot me in the mouth, knocked out my teeth. Ah, yes, I see. You're lucky we crossed paths. You would not live much longer untreated. Please, may I? Shmukane reached for Seven Macaw's broken jaw. Seven Macaw recoiled. His pride kept him from willingly accepting help. But the pain was clearly too great, so he relented. Shmukane inspected what remained of his gemstone teeth. It's worse than I thought. I will need to extract these. <sighs> Absolutely not! My teeth are my pride and joy. Oh, I'm afraid we must. Don't worry. I've replaced them with ground-up bone. Bone? What about my magnificent glow? Who will shine over this jungle if not I, the most beautiful seven macaw? Oh, when we are done with you, your brilliant ivory-white smile will be the talk of the jungle. You'll still have your silver feathers and your beautiful eyes. Seven Macaw will be the vision of the heavens. Seven Macaw waved them in. Hunapu couldn't believe it. The disguises had worked. Shmukane followed Seven Macaw to his cot. Carefully, Hunapu's grandmother lowered him down. Hunapu barely made it through the door before his eye caught a familiar image, his severed arm hanging over the mantle like a trophy. While Seven Macaw sank onto the cot in pain, Hunapu and his sister slowly backed away towards the hearth. Shmukane pulled out her pliers. It was time to go to work. Shmukane latched the pliers onto one of the jagged pieces of topaz. She squeezed her hand around the pliers and began torquing the tooth back and forth. Blood filled Seven Macaw's mouth. The topaz tooth was slowly, agonizingly loosening. Shmukane gripped the pliers with both hands and yanked. Shmukane held the bloody topaz up for inspection. Hunapu's grandma didn't say a word. She simply shook her head, dropped the tooth into a wooden cup, and went back to work. She clamped the pliers down on the next sapphire tooth and began to twist. One by one, Shmukane pulled the teeth from Seven Macaw's head. Hunapu could hardly take his eyes off the parade of sparkling greens and yellows and blues as they fell into the cup. But he had to get his arm. He turned toward the hearth and strained to reach it. It was too high. He wouldn't be able to get it on his own. He looked at his sister. 
Shibalanke nodded. The twins didn't have to talk to know what the other was thinking. He would need a boost from her to reach the arm. But even in agony, Seven McCall might notice if they climbed up his mantle. The twins' dilemma didn't go unnoticed by their grandfather. He surreptitiously nudged Shmukane, who gave the slightest glance over her shoulder to the twins. Now, Seven McCall, we have to get out those eyes as well. Seven McCall let out a pitiful cry, but toothless and weak, he could not resist. All he could do was mumble in protest. I know. The blow to your head caused more damage than I thought. I will give you new teeth, but your eyes, you will live, but you will be blind. Shmukane leaned in close with the pliers and clasped them around his ruby eyes. She twisted and pulled. Seven Macaw screamed with renewed vigor. Shmukane pried the ruby out of the socket and held it high in the air. She dropped it into the cup with the others and dug into the other eye. With Seven Macaw blinded, Hunapu climbed up onto his sister's shoulders and snatched the arm off the wall. He ran to his grandmother's side and dropped the limb into her pack. She smiled and patted him on the shoulder. Hunapu stepped around his grandmother and got a clear look at Seven Macaw. The shine that seemed to emanate from him was long gone. His teeth were replaced with broken corn cobs. Where the ruby eyes once shined, there were two dead, blackened sockets. Even his silver feathers looked dim and dingy. Shmukane nodded to the door. Seven Macaw, we will leave you now. Maybe this will finally teach you some humility. (laughs) Hunapu jumped at the sound of tiny footsteps behind him. It was Seven Macaw's slave, black and blue with bruises. Seven Macaw had taken out his pain on him. The servant looked at the disfigured deity and back to Hunapu. Hunapu waved for the door. Go! You are free! Quietly, the servant fled from his metallic prison. Shmukane called for her husband and hustled the twins out of the house. They barely made it out of the door before the wails of Seven Macaw filled the air. The cries rolled across the rainforest. Then they faded away. What happened? He's dead. The evil creature couldn't live with himself when he was no longer beautiful. His pride has killed him. Hunapu looked to his sister and smiled. Her plan had worked, in a way. Shmukane waited until they got back to the trail to reattach Hunapu's arm. It took her no time at all. A simple wave of her hand and the arm reconnected to Hunapu's shoulder. He felt the slightest tickle as he wiggled his fingers. It worked perfectly. 
Hunapu wrapped his arms around his sister and squeezed her. Thank you, sister. You saved my life and my arm. Of course, brother. But you saved the world. It was your perfect shot that felled Seven Macaw. And it was your plan that got Seven Macaw's son, Zipakna. Shmukane and her husband turned toward the twins. She smiled and hugged them both. But the happy ending was short-lived. From far down the trail, they could hear someone cry. Hunapu slipped out of his grandmother's hug and turned toward the noise. It was as pained as Seven Macaw's cry, but much more human. Hunapu's heart dropped. It was one of Zipakna's enslaved children. Clearly, the plot to kill Zipakna hadn't gone as planned. The boy was limping, covered in blood. He collapsed at the feet of Hunapu. Hunapu knelt, trying to catch the boy's gaze. What happened? (sighs) Zipakna, he tricked us. He's still alive. Killed everyone. The boy's voice faded away as the life drifted from his eyes. Then he fell. Hunapu looked to his sister. If Zipakna was still alive, he would come after them for revenge. Shibalanke looked to Shmukane. Their grandmother nodded back down the road. The trail of the child's blood led over the horizon toward the river. I helped you once. Now it's up to you. If you want to earn your place amongst the gods, you have to finish what you started. Hunapu, Shebelanke, you must kill Seven Macaw's sons before their rage destroys the entire world. Hunapu stood next to his sister. Without another word, his grandparents walked away, leaving them in the middle of the road. The twins clutched each other's hands, shivering despite the warmth of the jungle. They had two giants to kill, and they would have to do it alone. Thanks for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with the second part of the Hero Twins story. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic tale. See you next week for the conclusion of this epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Jesse Harris, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tiana Camacho, Joe Hernandez, and Dan Velasquez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Mm -hmm.